This episode is brought to you by the new October term. Open now at fxphd.com. You're listening to The RC, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hey, welcome to this week's RC podcast covering digital cinematography. This week we'll be covering Vault, going old school, going GoPro, light meters, 4K. We'll be talking about lenses, wireless stuff, and a ton more here on the RC podcast. We see our role here as the RC to mine the news, filter the blogs, and yes, occasionally go down some very, very deep rat holes. This is the camera tech that we obsess about, discuss, argue about, and try and kind of work out. And here for the conversation is the man himself, Mr. 1.2 F-Stop, Jason Wingrove. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you? Very well. Though you tell me you have no one to have a podcast, a rarer a podcast that comes out uh, less often than uh, Sony brings out new cameras. Yes, Sony has been very active. And in fact, next week on the show, we'll be having an interview uh, about a brand new. Uh, Sony SLR, but this week on the show, and maybe more. Oh, we're talking about next episode. Next episode, yes, we may, and my, and and more, and more, mm. and more. He says with a nod and a wink, yes, to a blind bat. No okay, um, so, <laughs> so, uh, how are you, Jase? I'm good. I'm very good. Very good. You've been uh, you've been a busy man. I've been pretty busy. Yeah, you've been away. I've been away. You've been blowing shit up. I, that's true. That's why we haven't had an RC recently, because I haven't been in the country. Um, I was blowing stuff up. Yes. Did you have any problem getting through customs? No, not not so much as when we blew up the helicopter and we'd been covered in C4 and napalm. This time we were covered in gunpowder and um, gasoline and uh, primer cord, which wasn't quite as bad. Right, which even the best TSA sniffing devices don't, don't pull you up on. Not as much as C4 and <laughs> napalm. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, they kind of frown on the whole C4 napalm thing. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't, I'm not sure. Anyway, it's me getting back at them for opening up my bloody suitcase um, when I'm flying back and just rearranging all my stuff. Did they do that to you? On the way, on they your, do, just, and they put a little you, note in that says, we have... Yeah, we've rifled through your, your shit. Suit. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? I actually pack this stuff carefully. Yeah. So, well, you know, you know, I had a similar ramp with my fucking lens case when I came back last time. Oh, yeah, that was even There's worse. Fucking lens caps there for, off everywhere. Anyway, yeah. don't get me started again. Three, anyway, um, and also, not only was I shooting at the great 3210 Studios, the former ILM model shop, blowing stuff up, dropping cars, um, having a great time with weapons. And by the way, you know, just FYI, AK-47 machine guns, very loud. Mm-hmm. Just a small little mm-hmm. tip there if you're ever standing next to one and there's a rain of <laughs> shell cartridges coming at you. Very loud. Also, actually, it's quite loud when you drop a car and hit primer cord under it at the same time. Oh, you were doing some sort of detonation, detonable oh, yeah. devices. Yeah, yeah. Bit of deck cord. De- well, um... But, um, no, but the other thing I've been doing, because I had a good chat about that on the uh, VFX show, which is just going out this week on uh, Looper, but I, what I didn't talk about which um, I think I'd like to talk to you about, is that uh, earlier this week we were shooting film en masse here at the uh, FX PhD FX Guide compound. Oh, my God. So For much the, the new D- the DOP, the 215, the FX course. No, no, not for the DOP course. We are just shooting film because we wanted to shoot some film. We were shooting Epic, we were shooting C500, and we were shooting film. And the wow. film was, uh, you know, obviously 35, and we were shooting 500T. And I've obviously been on a lot of sets that have shot a lot of film, but this was a small shoot. Mm. So uh, where we had a camera assistant and a loader, I was actually 
running the don't laugh the job of of sort of dop in terms of calling the f stops which is a bit of a, a, a cultural shock for me because we're shooting off speed so of course what you're seeing through the viewfinder looks completely wrong because yes. it's several stops out yes and you just get this call so what what, what what's the call what's the f-stop and you're like okay well, my spot meter stop? makes yeah. this um uh, so hang on so what were you shooting on what camera did you have Arri, 435 right Went up to 150 over cranking yep right with air fans on beautiful supermodels with you know green screen and all the things you want to do wow beauty lighting did you have to dust off the light meter to... I did. To I, I'm going to put some pictures of it in the show notes from the C500. You know why that is, Chase? Haven't got the film back yet. You've got to send it off to Melbourne. I, I've sent it off and it's being processed and it's being scanned and I should get it back later today. But as we speak, I don't actually have my... So I don't actually know... And I was, I was talking about this with John Montgomery. I said, I don't know whether I've actually buggered up the exposure. If I have, we just delete this, right? That, that there's no reference to me. Ever sure, sure. If you're hearing this, that means that the rushes were okay. We're okay. And Mike didn't fuck it up. The C500, nice camera, shooting that 4K to the new uh, Codex um, small unit. I know you complain about the Codex being big. This is the smaller one. Yeah, no, I saw it uh, a couple of nights ago. Yeah, the new the new um, sort of mini Codex thing on the C500. The mini Codex, which, you know, and, yeah. and the Vault, which goes with it in the sense that if you're shooting Codex and you can get a Vault on set, it's awesome. Yeah, well, we talked about it post-NAB. Uh, I think um, every time I sort of see it and get a bit more of a heads-up on where it's going with its... with its. Um, well, you had a good chat about it at NAB, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we did the interview with, with yeah. Mark from Codex, and it's come a long way even since then and what it can do and flexibility, and we'll soon have uh, SSD, uh, red SSD uh, modules as well. Yeah, this one didn't have red SSD modules, no. but it did have the... Um, uh, LTO drives for backing up in it, which are really good. Yeah. I just, uh, it will be the thing that will let me get uh, my Epic on a few more sh- uh, projects. And uh, I just love its ability to sit there and, you know, the classic light, although the LEDs don't quite work this way, but light is green, trap is clean kind of mentality of <laughs> dock the SSD and you hit the go work. button and it will back it up. It'll do DNX HDs to OneDrive, give that to editorial, etc., etc. So the editors don't have to spend the whole next day faffing around with stuff. They can cut as soon as uh, they get in the door the next day. So, yay, no, there'll be no complaints from production about how I fucked up their schedule by choosing... Um, my choice of camera. Speaking of choice of camera and getting back to the film camera for a second, it was also funny for me with a film camera because we're so sensitive to having the lens off on a Epic or a whatever mm. and guarding the sensor and all this kind of stuff. And you got the lens off the film camera and yeah. you've got the side door open and you're sticking your fingers in it and yeah. you're manually turning wheels. <laughs> and, you know, it's like so tactile. And yet it's, I mean, obviously you don't want to get hair and dust in your film camera but it's not like oh my god whatever you do you know don't let any sort of hint of anything drift in because it'll ruin the sensor it's like that's the film it's a really tactile it's already ng really tactile thing that frame's gone it's so i just every time now i see you know bump into a a film camera i just sort of i want to that's this tactile thing missing subconsciously. Having done it for 10 years, and I just want to grab it. Like and I, I'm, I'm lacing it in my head. I'm going, okay, go around there. You yeah. pull that thing. Then you grab the th- push that back in here. Make sure that's locked. Run the check the loop. Make sure it's yeah. not hitting top or bottom. Have a check for scratches. Da, da, da. 
Yeah, and just, just getting into the habit of like and cut. And I think we're wrapped on this setup. Can we check the gate? Yeah, check the gate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a very um very mechanical physical process. But, but you know the beautiful part about it is I had to because I was spot motoring, I had to really think about the lighting a little bit more. It, mm. it was a, a great discipline because I got my spot meter out and I'm looking at the contrast ratio I'd set up. And that made me, I think, actually improve the lighting on her uh, because I wasn't just judging it with my eye. I was actually thinking about the actual literal contrast ratio between the, the key and the fill. Or you're judging it by eye as opposed to what it looks like on a you know four-inch, five-inch mm-hmm. LCD and, and with, you know... With and you you know that you are shooting with something with a much greater contrast ratio than the, the than the display you're looking off. Can I tell you something really funny though? So we so we you know it's a good shoot. Like we've got all the stuff that we need, except for one thing. Are changing s- bag? No, no, no. We had a changing bag. We had everything like that. It was good. all good. I we have had done really that nice before. lenses. <laughs> got like I think we had the Cook Seventy on there. It's like really pretty pictures. No, uh, we moved back to get a wider shot on a longer lens and we realized that our tape measure wasn't actually long enough. And, of course, there's no way to check focus on a film camera other than to get the tape measure out and kind of measure the distance when well, you're talking you kind about... Of, if your zoom's calibrated, you can zoom in. Well, it wasn't a zoom, it was a prime. Right. Well, you actually look through the... Yeah, you can look through, but, I mean, don't you want to measure it? I mean, I did. I mean, I, I, Yeah, yeah, no, sure. We've gonna, discussed this before, yeah, right? Like a Cook lens is like a measuring instrument. If it yeah. says it's, you know, 32 feet, it's 32 feet. Mm. But I didn't have a 32-foot tape measure. I had like a 25-foot <laughs> tape measure, whatever it was. And I was like, right, good yeah. note to self. Go back and find tape measure, like the actual tape tape measure as opposed to the yeah. metal thing that I used around the office. So, yeah. Just one of those little, you know, you think you got all your kit ready, you got I your. I wish I was there. That would have been fun, actually. I would have gotcha. jumped Incidental on and laced meter. the camera. The um, it was watching the uh, first um, uh, episode of the uh, the fourth, first class, I guess, of the DOP two fifteen. The effects shoot mm. was really nice to see you getting a whiteboard out and doing exposure calculations and looking at ISO and looking at frames per second. And having to physically do those calculations, you, even though maths is or? not my strong point, but it were all flooded back to me, n- n- realizing that we don't really have to. Your brain doesn't need to necessarily work that way anymore with with digital, which is kind of good and bad. We're sort of getting kind of dumber in some degree that you're not. That math goes is not is not, just not applicable. So what Jason is explaining is in a class of FX PhD. The DOP, Marty Rosenberg, is really good DOP. Without anything coming out of his pocket, just goes uh, 100 ISO, this is going to be 6.3. And the reason he could do that is he was shooting uh, a gas explosion against black. And if you think about it, dear listener, it doesn't matter (laughs) what the setup is. It's always going to be... You know the brightness that the gas burns at against black. Yeah. Unless you're deliberately over or underexposing, six three is what it's going to be. Like he yeah. knows that that is the right exposure because yeah, he's a really experienced constant. DOP. And so, 
you know, obviously... And it's the, the kind of thing you store in your head anyway because sometimes you might not have a first go or you want to shoot the first take and, you know, you want to yeah. store that in your brain. Okay, shooting gas, you know, by itself where the only illuminating object in the frame is, you know, exploding propane. It looks really good at 6.3. Yeah, at 6.3 100, 100. And from there you can calculate backwards and forwards. Yeah, so that's what he did. He did. He wrote up on the board and he just went bang, 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 bang as we went up in frame rate and changed the ISO around and stuff. And... Um, and he did it really quickly and people were sitting there thing went, what was that? That was like black magic that just happened then. Mm. But Marty was just doing it himself as a, you know, kind of, uh, as you say, like a, an operation that didn't require a light meter to come out or any kind of app on a computer. Yeah. And, uh, and we just, th- I just then actually re-ran through his maths in slow-mo so that you could see how he was doing it and why mm. he was doing it. Um, also, you have, uh, and I was looking for my, I was going to bring it but I couldn't find him. Don't you love that he's quoting his f-stop in thirds? What's that? Like he's quoting that in thirds, right? Oh, but it's that's not like what, yeah, about yeah. five six or that's about what eight. You do. It's yeah. six three. It's just how you work, and you know no, no, all I, the stops eight nine ten whatever yeah. six no, three. He's brilliant. I mean, I, I loved working with him. Yeah. I, okay, it's just I, I confess. Film training to, to exactly. Do, so. And I confess, I was really glad that he didn't lose me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't know those things like he knows them, but at least I could keep up with him. Which was I think that's. Probably a, a really it. great, knowing that someone who with film training is probably really the best person to be dealing with visual effects because you're not, you're used to already then scaling back speeds and scaling exposures in your head anyway. So then when you start to do calculations of scale or gravity or um, uh, you know doing formulas to to how how far to over crank under crank to get the make this this small or large object look look larger or smaller um you're already in that sort of mindset you're used to working back from a base stop or from a base you know a base frame rate so yeah i think it's he sounds like he's pretty amazing he's got a really good grounding or his brain is yeah. very grounded in in physics and you yeah, know, yeah. has a has a has a good head for um uh making things look right so it's kind of interesting um so so in the next class um just coming out now he's talking about green screen and there's a point which we left in where he's talking and he's like so effects guys and I mean he's not directing at me but I'm just standing right beside effects guys are always carrying on about lighting the green screen like so that it's not about lighting the green screen you don't see the green screen in the film you have to get the actor right and I'm like there going <coughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good point though yeah so like you never see the green screen yeah as long as yeah spend all their all their all their prep time getting the the green screen even and and not worrying about worrying less Though about Though I will say he spent a lot of time getting the green screen even and it looked gorgeous yeah. and it was well lit and he did all sorts of other tricks to make sure the green screen was valid including awesome. tilting lights and doing all sorts of stuff but I guess his point was that at the end of the day, his number one concern was to make sure that the actor running on that green screen looked good. Yeah, because as you say, you don't see the green screen today. You see yeah. the guy in front of the green screen, and he's being keyed into something, and he's got yep. to look like he's lit the right, you know, lit with the right same sources. Very hard shit. Yeah, you only want to get the green screen right. The sole reason for getting it right is so that the edges look right when comped. Mm. But nobody says, "Great green screen." Yeah. 
Beautiful. At least they shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. They should say either bad green screen or what green screen. It's probably easier to fix a shitty green screen than it is to fix, you know, the incorrect lighting direction or, you know, a well, contra- contrast on, a, on someone yes. in the foreground that doesn't match contrast in the background. Yes, or- you need to get the lighting right on the person in the foreground. Though, of course, we'd like people to be slightly more aware of getting good green screen than they perhaps are. Well, you know, but if, yes. I know, you know, we don't want to turn this into a big plug thing but you know if 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 class one's anything to judge by anybody worth their salt if if not even if you don't shoot effects it's just a great um it's just a really there is something there to learn already just on f1 so far for on on this course so i know you mike you probably won't plug it but i'll do it for you there you go fxphd.com um speaking of light meters you found a new light meter well you know i've sort of i sold my light meter Really? Probably Why a couple of that? years ago, it was old Saconic and uh, sold it. And, but I don't know. I'm trying to struggle with the internal geek, or is this retro cool, or is it? I, you know, will I use it? If you pull it out, will you be like a tosser? I don't think so. The new Saconic um, L478 uh, with touchscreen light meter is uh, pretty spanky, I must say. And you know, light meters have kind of been stuck in the past a little bit. Often they'll do frame. They won't do frame rates that cameras will do nowadays. We're into we're into frame rates that are uneven, unheard of. When these light meters, when the last decent light light meter was uh, um, was made, uh, so you know you're talking about being able to calculate thousands of, of frames per second. Or what I think one of the interesting things with this with this light meter, apart from this very iPhoney kind of uh, interface to be able to scroll through stuff and and do setup custom setups for for different cameras is this ability to uh, shoot a uh, dynamic range chart Sekonic zone dynamic range chart and input that information I'm not sure how you get from the A to B but you have to inf- input that information and it will calculate you know the dynamic range of your camera and then you will see represented on I guess like the sliding exposure scale on the bottom of the meter your you'll get almost like uh, an overlay of a depth of field you know chart you'll get an overlay of the dynamic range of your camera on the highs and lows so you can start wandering around your set and seeing you know the darkest parts and the highest parts and you'll see your dynamic range of your camera overlaid on on that sort of screen so very clever to be able to essentially calibrate your meter to your camera and then you can have these profiles saved as uh you know you can have a profile for for any camera that you're working with the only thing i'd very clever but this is still and it's you know still a classic light meter but it's not a spot meter uh yeah you can plug Put the uh, five degree, although a one degree would be great. But you can put the optical. You know, they used to have it for the auto yeah, meter the three, the thing. little screw on yeah. thing where you pop the cone off and then you yep. put the little uh, spot meter thing on the on 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 top there. H- how well does it work as a spot? Because I've got an old style. I'm going to call it. Um, I'm going to say Pentax. Is that right? Um, anyway, it's the you know the one that looks like a little gun. Um, I've had yeah. for years and years and years. And years. The, yeah, the old. Uh, yeah, right. Pentax. Pentax. Right? Yeah. yeah, and. Um, and you know it's uh, it's gorgeous in the sense that it's pentaspot, yeah, and it's got the mm. you know lights up with the one light, yeah, lights, absolutely, yeah. The, yeah, for stops, thirds of stops, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. But um, oh. I mean, I'd, 
I guess I'd love to get one of these. I think $389. Yeah, $389 for this thing. And you know it's going to be built really well. It's beautiful. The the software is is very clever. And uh, links in the show notes to a couple of good uh, YouTubes as to to show how how it works. Um, But definitely enough to make me get a meter back out and maybe start using it a bit more. Not As I say, I'll try and use it for good and not for geeky evil. But, um, no, I had no idea it for Kiki. I mean, uh, the spot meter is really you want something spottier than five degrees. You want like a one degree, something like what you have with your pentaspots, fairly hmm. fairly tight, I think. Well, well, I want that because I'm either reading faces for yep. contrast ratios or I'm reading green screen over the shoulder of someone or through a hole. Yeah, yeah. You want it to be reasonably accurate. I'm trying to work you want out. to read you yeah. know, one side of the, a part of someone's face, face versus yeah, somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, the spottier said, the spot meter, the better. I have seen lots of DOPs that are using area meters much more than their spots. I just don't know how they do it, but yeah, they do. My last meter was the Sarconic, I think, but it's the one that had the kind of spot meter built on the side of it with like a little zoom spot, oh, really? so you could zoom in from say five degrees into one degree, and it was a um, incident and spot in one because I hated having tons of stuff on my belt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, and also for the money, this is just uh, incredible. I'm hope to get my hands on one of these, but uh, totally. So far, it looks uh, they're really thinking about this. Quite yeah. clever. So light meters, light well, meters. Hey, I think they're awesome yeah um bunch of other news things while we're here um i guess quick quick whip around on some stuff that's happened around the net ton of news do you want to hit some of it uh well we can start with film partly having touched on it yourself is that fuji have pulled out of uh, making motion picture film yes they are still going to make the professional and amateur photographic still film oops sorry mike uh they'll still continue to manufacture that they're obviously basing their um their headspace on uh, their physical gear, motion picture lenses, uh, workflow, but uh, yeah, pulling out of producing uh, motion picture film. Just mainly through the fact that there's a lot of 3D, which is pushing the shift to um, digital projection, so they're not making, the, there's not the demand for print stock. Uh, it's of course, there's a heck of a lot more print stock ever produced than NEG. Yeah. You look at the amount of print stock yeah. uh, is 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 mammoth. Is mammoth. You've no idea how much print stock is created versus what you might use in a production is nothing compared yeah. to what they. You make open on in. three thousand cinemas on film, and yeah, it's a lot of stock. Yeah, and it you know obviously it's cha- as that monetary thing as it did on set. It's the monetary shift is going to be. It's going to be way cheaper for them to um, start. Uh, dealing with digital files and digital projection than it is maintaining and and feeding film projectors. So it's going to be a very uh, slippery slope for um, film projection. And uh, not so much on set, but uh, offset uh, in in, in theatres, bring on digital projection. Um, film projection can go jump in the lake as far as I, I, I'm concerned. Um, but so that's pretty sad. So I think Agfa got out of it a long time ago. Yeah. So I guess it's only Kodak still making stock, and, and they're, obviously they're with Kodak's, with Kodak's right? history, it's only a matter of time till till they stop soon. Yes, uh, you know you can still buy Polaroid film, so there's probably going to be a specialist market. There'll be the Impossible Project where someone keeps making 35 mil film, yep. motion picture film. Hmm. I mm. guess it's not it's not like it's obscure weird stuff. It's just 
Yeah, you know, but let's it's, face it's, it, the it's other just problem still with it is, film in a longer role. Yeah, but the trouble is, it's definitely like the whole film processing side of things is definitely. Um, it's a it's a su- substantial investment to run a lab. Yeah, it's not like Absolutely. the film is the end of the story. So you yeah. need a good lab, a lab that you can rely on, a lab that's close to your production, so that you don't have to ship film around. Yeah. So it is, uh, you know, as, as film labs stop doing print films, yeah. So too will they be stopping processing neg, and once that happens, um, yeah, you really are stuffed. It would have to be getting towards the point where it would be. F- the amount of film going through a lab versus manning it and having clean, fresh chemicals yep. to temperature that have a good shelf life and having that lab standing by for the next roll of film, it's going to, if not already, be financially but not viable said, look at to have films. a lab standing by for but film. But our reason for shooting on film was that look at the films that are currently coming out at the moment that are really good. I, I don't know if you've seen Looper, but I loved Looper. No, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Dark Knight, obviously shooting... Um, both on film, but yep. also IMAX film. Yep. Uh, but there's a bunch of stuff that's come out recently that's been shot on film. Mm. It's really good. Uh, yeah. I don't think I don't think we're running away from film f- as much as film may end up running away from us. You'll see every event. You know, the smaller markets drop out. Australia, mm. I'm sure, it's only a matter of time before we don't have a lab or we'll have just a small boutique lab. Um, the big stuff's going to stop. Uh, and you will have, you'll be sending, if you want to do film, you'll be sending, it's like having Super 8 pro, processed. Yeah. You're going to have to, if you want to shoot film in this country, you're going to have to send it to states now, where the only lab said, is there because... Um, but that being said, I want to point out that Australia actually does have a really good film lab. Absolutely. And it right now is uh, is superb. We're not in that position right now. And the other thing I want to say is um, when we were talking about Marty before and we were on set on 3210, his point was if you're doing that kind of stuff that we were doing with him, he would nearly always much 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 prefer to shoot on film uh because of the dynamic range and yep. the latitude that he got uh for the highlights and stuff on the film mm. he was a complete advocate of shooting on film and not because he's some kind of luddite just because it just gives him a better response for explosions and the sort of stuff that otherwise would clip especially when you go to higher frame rates normally but you know if you are doing slow-mo your ability to have immediate playback at speed is awesome. And see it right but, there but after Jace, you've done the, it. Do we need to take two, take three? Do we need to yeah, re-rig no, something? I'm with you, but the which you Phantom, do not, not have with film until the, the next day. You go, high, oh. yeah, I know. But the Phantom shooting high speed is giving you that awesome playback at high frame rates, higher than film can go. Yeah. But you know, with as much as I love the Phantom, it just doesn't have the dynamic range. I mean, holding those yeah. highlights and explosions, no. it just doesn't have it. Yeah. No. I found the Epic was pretty good, um, and and as we'll get into in that uh, course. There were issues about frame rate. We shot some zero G explosions um, that were at I think twelve hundred frames a second, and I got to yep. tell you, they didn't work. Do you know why they didn't work? Too slow. Just too slow. Too slow. And mm. so then we came in the next day, and Marty said, "Hey, I've got some really good reference of what I think the zero G should look like in terms of frame speed." And I said, "Oh, great! Can you show it to us?" He said, "Yeah, I got it here on my laptop." So he showed us this clip, and I agreed that is exactly what we wanted. It looked exactly right. And he said, I shot that shot. And you know what it was? Death Star, the Death Star exploding. Yeah. And I went, yeah, that, that would be what we'd want, Marty. And he went, great, yeah. So obviously this had been a little bit dealt with by the guys at ILM, but we can get that. And I shot that on film, and he mm. shot it at no faster than 300 frames a second. Yeah. And Zero G being cameras above or below the explosion. The camera is below. Below. So yeah. it explodes out. 
yeah. if you think about it, like a like an umbrella. Evenly. Mm. Yeah, evenly. And then it falls towards camera, which to your eye looks like it is going... Um, coming towards you. Well, actually, it also looks like it's slowing down because you can't really read it coming towards you as long as it doesn't go out of focus. Right. So you kind of read that the, the sparks go out and then kind of slow, mm-hmm. which is dramatic. The only thing that's a giveaway is a few seconds after the explosion, the smoke that has gone forward gets sucked back and up yeah. because it's theoretically been coming towards camera and then going away from it as, it, as gravity affects it. Yeah. But by that time, you're out. But yeah, to get the classic uh, Death Star explosion, that's what we were doing. Yeah. Um, that was funny one stage because uh, it's a great team there. And they, they were saying, okay, so uh, this should work. Otherwise, because we're using, I think at that point, titanium and other things and phosphor and stuff. And he's like, otherwise we have to go to this other thing. And I'm like, hmm, what well, should we do that? And he said, yeah, can't really have people here in the room. And Marty's like, well, can we have us all over to the side then? And he was like, yeah, no, we don't have the capacity to put out that many people if you got caught a light. So maybe Mike could be in the room, but everyone else has to be outside because we're going to have like enough fire extinguishers to put out Mike. Yeah, we've got like, enough fire what? extinguishers to put Mike out. Yeah, so I was like, okay. We went, when we stopped short of going to that level of explosion, we did have to let the um, San Francisco police know we were blowing stuff up and firing weapons because otherwise they have done that before. They've fired a yeah, bunch of weapons. The police and, will come. Yeah, because automatic weapon fire in a suburban yeah, area. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, it's kind of thing that pricks people's ears. But uh, I have to say, uh, it was awesome. Okay, so getting back to cameras. Um, well, there's Leica. a lot. Quick, Should we jump to Leica. the smallest yet largest announcement? We'll do the Leica and then we'll do Okay, the... okay. Well, Leica, um, quickly. not known for their video mode, but uh, the Leica M. This is announced but not quite out yet. But I think there's a few interesting things about it, the new Leica M, which is the first digital Leica to have a movie mode at all. Uh, it's full-frame sensor. It'll do 1080p, 720p. It'll only do about 30, 30 frames max at the moment. Uh, and we still don't know what the data rate is, but I'm sure they'll keep it reasonably high. What I did like about the design of the camera, and there's links in the show notes to a couple of good uh, hands-on demos uh, with the camera, is it obviously has an optical viewfinder because it is a stills camera first and foremost, but it has a really nice uh, hot shoe mountable electronic viewfinder which is tiltable so you can actually you know get that which is something that you cannot do with uh you know say a 5d or a a few until we get start to get to stuff like the eos m and things we're not we don't have electronic viewfinders they are still going to be stills cameras first and foremost but the ability to have the uh, hot shoe on 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 the top which is really nice and focus peaking in camera at the moment to get really good picking focus you're going to have to have external monitor with those functions there's very few cameras apart from things like the you know sony f3s and things very few sort of in the dslr or compact cameras that have this have this option um it's uh yeah it's a really nice camera but it's going to be uh, probably around seven thousand dollars and it'll come out next year um yeah it's about the price of a used scarlet (laughs) <laughs> okay, you're referring to the the uh, Scarlet sale that spontaneously kind of happened, but yeah, which sold is, out pretty quickly. Yeah, which is kind of in, it's kind of interesting. Uh, there was a three second uh, bullet time shot. We're not sure yet what it was for, but we can only presume, and we don't know how many cameras were involved. But for three seconds, I'm guessing it's around seventy five or so cameras. You know, twenty four frames a second with a camera at either end. For you know, motion. Run, run, well, I guess with the more of them, all of them running 
um, uh, doing motion. So who knows what this what the shot's going to look like? But the upshot was there was about we're guessing around seventy five cameras for sale for a seven grand instead of twelve grand, and they've sold out. And it was pretty much two three days, and they were all gone. But uh, for something that you only get ninety day warranty with, um, but that was a pretty good deal, I thought. Yeah, definitely. Very very popular, very popular deal. But uh, really a real pisser if you just bought a Scarlet full full freight. So uh, let's We didn't jump. know anybody who sold uh, bought a camera full freight for... Uh, no, nobody, nobody bought a Scarlet just before they announced this, did they? I, I didn't. No. Okay. Do you? Anybody, anybody buy a GoPro before they bought they announced the R3? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, no. Actually. Okay. All right. I thought you just bought one. That's why I was putting salt in your wounds. Thanks. Can we discuss the GoPro? Yep. Let's jump to the GoPro. GoPro. Biggest news I think of the week is the GoPro Hero Three camera, um, and it's it's actually three cameras that they've announced: the uh, black, the silver, and the gold. No, it's actually the black, the white, and the silver. Um, I thought it'd be good if it was bronze, silver, silver and gold. I don't understand. Yeah, no. Black mode. Yeah, black mode. Black version is silver still. Yeah, it's the um, yeah, it's the SWAT version. Okay, it would be good if they were black. But anyway, mm. anyway, it's a it's a really interesting camera. What happened right before the camera was released uh, is that they did an update to the two. Now, the update to the two was interesting in of its own right. And if it hadn't been for the three, we'd be saying how awesome the two update yeah. was. Because the 2 update gave you ProTune and it also allows you, uh, as we have here, to run the uh, the, high, uh, the the 2 with the Wi-Fi option on the back to your iPad or your iPhone. Yeah. So this is great. Now, Jason, you... That alone is terrific. And that, with the ProTune and higher bit rates, which we'll touch on, made brought the GoPro back to being king of the king of the action cams again having sony just announced and a few other people you know in in this in this very crowd starting to be crowded market yeah the um what they did was up the megabits right yeah right. so it's gone to uh in the two now it's gone to 35 megabits per second and that was a really high rate actually mm. and something that if it hadn't have been for the three we'd have been really impressed with <laughs> yeah given that the original the gopros that we've been working with so far have been whatever 18 something you know in 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 the teens yeah, so call it 20, for argument's sake. It's 20 to 35. It's a really significant jump. It's not quite twice, but it's definitely yep. a lot. And that's really important because you want to have um, a signal that's got more bandwidth because you're encoding to H.264 in 8-bit and you don't want to have to try and um, deal with problems uh, later. So that's great. That's awesome. The the remote, I will say, Jase, has some issues on the two. Yes. I think it's terrific. If you go and... Well, let me just explain what... what uh, ProTune is first so that you know ProTune is basically the hero camera in any of the two or the three model running in log mode and doing a, a couple of other really cool things and that high encoding the best encoding is designed so that you can grade it in post so there's a big significant difference to me and this is the first time we've seen something like this where the GoPro has said hey I know you're going to get really cool shots as you jump off um, that cliff base jumping but oh by the way we'll let you have a mode this is sort of completely new that'll let you get the best possible picture for grading but mm. won't be the immediately as you land at the bottom 
post it to YouTube kind of look. Now, the post it to YouTube look is still there. It's still valid. And mm-hmm. it's still a really good use for this camera. If I base jump off the Eiffel Tower, I don't care so much about you know, vignettes. the edge of space. There you go. I don't care about some of this stuff as much as I care about you know, the footage, right? Like it's just really dramatic footage. But for me, personally, I'm in the situation where I'm probably going to want to intercut the GoPro with something else. So that's yeah. why I'm trying to intercut it with an Alexa or something that I'm shooting from the 5D Mark III. Now it becomes a much bigger deal because if I've already got the blacks crushed, if I've already got a yeah. contrasty kind of curve baked in there and it's looking a certain way, then it's just not going to cut with my other stuff. And it's that's the number one reason process. why I don't necessarily re- reach for I will work out some other way of, of, of you know, rigging a, a second camera. Right. Now... Go to uh, Protein and you get that log file. That's still an H.264.8 bit, but um, it is at a higher uh, bit rate. It also is log, so it's not crushing the blacks. It's not um, putting in this gamma curve. Yeah, better dynamic range. Totally better. Another stop or And it gave us 24p or 2398, Mm. um, which is another huge thing for being able to intercut it because once you've got it intercut and uh, uh, you obviously want to have the right frame rate, for that to work. Now, there's sound recorded on the camera. Most people wouldn't use that sound if they were doing it, intercutting with something else. But it's even if it isn't, it's just nice to be able to shoot at the right frame rate and, uh, and have it looking good. Mm. So all of this was pretty friggin' awesome until then they announced the Hero 3, which took it to the next level. So we've now gone up again. Now, that some of this stuff is going to sound contrary to what you may have seen around the net, but we Trust. actually... We, Trust. We, Trust Mike. We went to the source and actually spoke in depth um, to the team at Cineform, which is part of GoPro since uh, they were bought by them, and and to uh, David Newman. And, and we spent a lot of time talking just about David. So this is all coming based on that. And this is all, uh, again, sorry to replug it, this is all part of stuff that's happening over in FXPHD where we've got all this done visually and we show uh, all the stuff. So we've now jumped from the 35 megabits to 45-ish possibly more on the GoPro 3. They haven't actually clocked it fully, so they haven't announced that number. So right. a lot of people are quoting that it's 35. It's not. It's higher. It's a significantly higher uh, number, like about 45. And they'll, when they've clocked it, they'll uh, officially publish it, which may be on Monday, by the right. way. Um, the next thing is that the color space is not locked in. Now, this is important. There's a camera raw mode. And again, most people don't know about this. And most people, even on Twitter, I, I was having this discussion with a lot of people. I were going, no, no, there's no raw mode. I'm like, I think there is. This isn't a full raw mode, but it is a camera raw mode in the sense that it doesn't lock in the color space. So as we know, uh, dear listeners, from other discussions that we've geeked out on here with uh, Jason and I, there's two aspects to being able to lock in a picture. There's the gamma curves or, or not, the log, the gamma, the what do you want to call it that you're playing with. But there's also what color space you're in. So Rec. 709 has a, like maybe 2.2 gamma, but it also has a set of colors that are the maximum colors that it can get around mm. common color spaces rec 709 adobe rgb srgb well the actual hero 3 sensor has to get locked in for that when they do the i'm going to call it straight to youtube h264 mode with the locked in gamma yeah. doesn't have to when you're going to go into post so when you go into camera raw mode it doesn't lock in its color space it actually keeps it in the native color space of the sensor and then does that as when you're processing it in post which means you actually end up with a wider gamut than Adobe RGB or sRGB, RGB. Wow. which again leads to better grading. Yeah. So now you've got a log Terrific. file, Yep. Uh, which is fully using the YUV 0 to 255. Now, yes, we would love it to be more than that. And no, you can't do, for example, ACES color space because that would be absurd. You've got a color space vastly bigger than 
um, then you know it would be like a you'd be kidding yourself, right? It'd be like upraising an eight-bit file to a sixteen-bit file and pretending you suddenly have sixteen-bit precision. But yeah. definitely, you get better color space, better grading. The blacks aren't crushed. Now, there's also less sharpening applied, less noise reduction applied. Does this sound to you a bit like the stew settings on a five D Mark Two Mark Three? Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's exactly what we want for grading. Um, also, uh, and this is uh, really important. It is, of course, a you know four hundred buck camera, and it has automatic uh, aperture, and it has automatic ISO, and it has automatic shutter. So, for example, mm. it'll be one hundred eighty degree shutter, but at low light, it goes automatically to three sixty degree shutter. And yeah. You can't control that, but you can now control the white balance. So you can actually lock in the white balance to yeah. be, and I'm guessing these numbers, but it's like 3,256 and 6,200. Uh, I've never found the color white balance to be too wild, but as you say, now you start to give us the option of, of having all this control. You want to start to be able to lock stuff down a little bit. Uh, it's great that we can control white balance. I would dearly love some sort of shutter speed lock. At least you're able to say, put it on 180. Yeah, no, or I'm at with least you on that. Yeah. Do 25, you know, a 50th, uh, 50th of a second or something. So you're not going to go. As soon as, you know, you get in the high, high brightness situations, bright sun, which is obviously where these cameras really fly, is uh, you do, you know, it starts to drop into high shutter speed, Private Ryan kind of mode. Mm. And equally, as you say, once you get to uh, low light, it'll it goes into um, higher, you know, breaking the one eighty rule and starts to give us a bit of a video look. It, so it you know, yeah, it would be if you go really between the cameras, if you go between the cameras, the, the Hero One had pretty shit low light capabilities. Let's, yeah. let's not deny it. The two improved it significantly. Yes, the three is upped it again, um, and that's before we get to the advantage of having this uh, ProTune option. Yeah, so that's good. Um, the other thing about- is. Okay. I was yep. going to say, the other thing about this I really want to hit on is, and I've asked this question on, on, uh, in FXPHD, and, and I've answered it, obviously, by saying a resounding yes. You know, when is it appropriate to use it? Should you use this protein all the time? And my attitude is, looking at this as hard as I have, I think I would just leave this sucker yeah. locked on protein. I mean, this yeah. is the key format for us. Yeah. Because I'm not interested in just posting straight away my skateboarding antics. I want to get something that looks pretty and great at. Yeah. But there's a couple of other things just before we, we move off. It, it can do 4K, and it is obviously heavily promoted on the popular press as doing 4K. Yeah. So it's not doing 4K. 4K for 0.4K. <laughs> but it's only doing it. Good one. It's only doing it at about 15 frames a second. Um, obviously, that stills mode in time-lapse is really significant because you could get some really gorgeous high-res files. Yeah. But I don't think that's the, the sweet spot. I think the sweet spot is their 2.7K resolution. Yeah. And 2.7K, which Stu shot some stuff, um, interestingly, of the America's Cup yachts, sailing on, uh, yeah. yes, um, which we have and we've been using to test. 2.7K is an enormously cool format. It's exactly equivalent, I guess, to an Alexa shooting that 2.5K versus shooting 1920 by 1080. Um, but there are a couple of reasons why I think you want to do it. Obviously, we all know if it's higher resolution than 2K or HD, you get... Uh, room to blow it up, or adjust it, or rotate it, and or stuff. stabilize it, or stabilize it. Exactly, that is a real key. But there is one other aspect to it: the sensor has to downres to nineteen twenty by ten eighty. Yep. If you come out at two point seven and then do the downres mm. in post, you will actually get a better downres than asking the camera to do it on the fly. Yeah. 
So think about the 5D Mark III for a second. Imagine you could shoot in a higher res, or sorry, the Mark II, which had that aliasing artifact when it dropped lines. Yep. If you could have shot on a higher res and then down it in post, you wouldn't have had that artifact. Now, the GoPro is nowhere near as bad as the Mark II was for that line skipping. Yeah. But nevertheless, if you shoot in 2.7, you will actually get a better down res or capable of getting a better down res. Obviously, it depends on the shot. Um, and there's a cine mode. Now, the cine mode on 4K and 2.7K basically changes the aspect ratio from being 16 by 9 to 17 by 9. So this is another thing I don't think has seen much press. And I think this is awesome because if you shoot in 2.7 mode, you're going to get something that's a bit wider than 16 by 9 and it's higher resolution. So you're really likely to be able to pull out of that a very nice 235. Um, and that's starting to be pretty interesting for being able to intercut it at cinema level. Yeah. The only – as far as I understand, because this has like field of view modes, because it obviously yep. has a – uh, you know, a, a large, large sensor, yep. uh, three point eight. It's not quite four K anyway. Um, but you can do this sort of down. It choose what it down raises to ten eighty. It can give you like the the full one hundred seventy degree or ninety degree. I forget what the degrees are, but it has the ultra wide and then the medium and yep. narrow view. So you can actually almost kind of like change lenses without having to go less than ten eighty. So ten eighty is also quite good because it will give you. Um, uh, the ability to change the field of view, which is good, because not everybody wants the full-on 170 degree, whatever it is, crazy ass, almost a little bit fisheye stuff. You want to have something we did a little in, bit more classic. What we did in PhD is I we wish you could do that in 217. If you could just at least go to the we stuck a um, we stuck a hero on top of a 5D Mark III mm. and set it to the medium. Uh, sort of field of view, right. and that worked yep. out to be pretty much a 20 mil lens on the 5D Mark III to give you a which kind of is a rule pretty of wide on a full frame camera. Yeah, so so that's sort of giving you an idea that that uh, medium field of view is the 20 mil on the 5D Mark III, and then we're, because we had them on top of each other, we could actually split screen them, and we could spin the cameras around, and you would actually get exactly the same view from both cameras simultaneously, yeah. which we split screen. Now, I want to point one other thing about this. Not only is that like an interesting exercise from a field of view point of view, but all this stuff we've been talking about with Cineform, Cineform is is camera independent. This is not only GoPro. So mm. we can process our 5D Mark III footage through Cineform. Yeah. And uh, in fact, it's just been um, fairly recently that Cineform has adopted the Blackmagic workflow. So now you could process your Blackmagic footage through it, Nikon, Canon. And for the ones that are H.264, like the ones we're mentioning, not the... Like magic, they're free. I mean, that's free software. Yeah. I'm using the premium software, which is a few hundred bucks. But um, and if you're doing 3D, you'd use the professional, which is even more. Yeah. But um, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting. And look, there's a lot more to it than this. Than we're I'm stopping short of because there's an entire thing called the uh, the color database that runs with your clips that allows you to dynamically change things and have them automatically updated in say uh, Final Cut Pro mm. and and this is a bit like what you do with a red file. You know when the red file and you take it into Red Cine and you adjust it yep. and there's the RCD file that's the changes to the metadata that was in the R3D file. Yep. Okay, it does the same thing. Right. So it's that kind of a UI. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're talking about this camera because it's becoming more and more capable. And yep. uh, I just think having that something to do with the shutter will make it all the more practical it's not 
obviously it'll never be a depth of field comparison. You're still going to want to put a, maybe a 5D in a in a Pelican crash box to, for, for your rig rig stroke Ned Kelly kind of crash cam. But for a lot of a lot of people, this is going to be a great rig trash crash whatever sacrificial camera uh, to you know to fit in with a whole bunch of stuff. But really, mainly if we can, it'll, it'll gain a lot more traction. I've got to say, not that it's going to stop them selling a billion trillion of well, these sold things 3 anyway. Million already, but I've got to say, Jace, having the ability. <laughs> I'm at the end of a three million a three million camera queue so far. There, but I've got to tell you, getting the iPad up. And you've got the picture yeah. there. You, you're going to hate one aspect of it, which is the lag. Yeah, I hear the lag is a lot. It, it's a lot. It's like a lot more than what like I had with machine. the contour camera. Yeah, it's which like a time is machine. Not too bad. Maybe half, maybe a quarter of a second. Yeah, half this is a second. lot worse. <laughs> yeah, it's like a couple of seconds, isn't it? Two or three seconds, something. Like In that. the two, it's more like four seconds. Really? But yeah. it's good Look, for lining up. But here's the note I'm going to say. But one thing, the user interface on the Hero, I hate. Yep. On the iPad, I love. Yeah. So I was changing the field of view, switching the camera off and on, yeah. doing everything from yeah. the iPad, and that alone is worth it. Even that is brilliant. To be able to change that and to change the time-lapse interval, all these kinds of things. Time-lapse I mean, is terrific in this camera. Another reason, though, why you want to have a frame, you want to have a shutter speed control because what makes a lot of time-lapse very smooth and very fluid is having a nice long shutter speed. Then you start to get into issues with NDs and stuff. There's a reason why they don't do... You know, don't have shutter speed control because the whole reason this camera has been successful, the whole reason that these have, have, have captured the amazing images and have been taken to the edge of space is they are set and forget first. They are for people who want to get out there. They're for people who want to turn it on and hit one button and know I'm being captured and I'm capturing what I'm going to do. And they're for people to get out there and do something crazy and they are not worrying about their camera they're worrying about you know not not falling off that six inch runway on their mountain bike or you know not worried about not you know drowning with their but your point is what then no my my point is there a reason that there's that that they've been successful because they're simple it's for people who people active stunt stroke um, sport extreme sport people who if they were more complicated camera they a wouldn't get used more, more or there'd be more screw ups there'd be less captured yeah. stuff but see i think that they're, they, they're not getting they, away from that because if you set it to protune no all absolutely means, no i'm like not you saying actually they see, are. you see 24 in the menu if you see 24t that asked me why it's t it's the protune version yeah and so that's it that's all you have to do on the camera yeah. everything else is identical to what mm. it was before and i should say when you're processing the clip back at uh, on your laptop you have a lot more latitude but it's still really simple it's like you know click this yeah. button click this button done yeah um yeah but so they haven't the reason, walked away from that yeah they've been successful is that it's it's results it's first it's you you it's unpack it turn it on go and it's it's worrying about what you're doing with the camera first not 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 the camera itself which I'll also is say this has a water. um a new underwater housing. You know, on the old ones, they were waterproof. But yes. You took them underwater. Yeah, it's a flat, flat, well, I can't say flat dome. It's a flat port. Yeah, it was like, uh, so, so now they actually work underwater brilliant. without an additional $70 And there's adapter. an accessory, which has sort of been a bit under the radar, but it's a bit of an unsung hero, I guess you could say, of the hero, is the Touch Backpack. A, for $79, which is amazing in itself, you can fit on the back of this Hero 3, and I, I think it might be compatible with, with the other Heroes. 
is you can have a touch screen access to the menu, which is almost as good as having the whole Wi-Fi thing, that you can have, um, you know, our main whinge, part of the main whinges with GoPros has been the incredibly <laughs> mind-numbingly complicated, complicated yeah. uh, trying to set up, set the settings on this thing in a hurry or in oh. the dark or whatever. With your ski gloves uh, on. on the yeah, ski with your gloves on. Up, you do I hold down this button? Oh, damn, that's the shutter. I'm rolling now. I'm, I'm, I've done second, another yeah. five shots of my face while I'm trying to com- yeah. you know, get this thing into time-lapse mode for every three a second every three frame every three seconds rather than five seconds. Da, 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 da. So to have a, the whole touch screen on a touch touch screen on the back is fantastic. Um, and yeah, having built in Wi-Fi versus it being another added backpack is terrific. Um, better sensor, better low light. It's brilliant. So so I presume you've ordered one. I'm I guess at some stage I'll order one. They're out pretty quickly. Yes, though they are not hitting our shores on the black one until mm. November. Uh, via GoPro site, though, I'm sure via B&H you'll be able to... You can you can go to... If you're Australian, you can go, you go to B&H and pre-order now. Uh, I believe next week is when yes, they order. Yes, yes. I'm just saying that like... Out. Yeah, That's purely just a stupid regulation thing to do with Wi-Fi that they're not... Um, you know, we're not, not certifying it for our FCC version of FCC, I guess, which is just dumb. Just a couple of other quick bits of news as we change subject. Uh, yes. Chukos have now carrying Cook, which was a press release to put out today. But what's yeah. more important to me is if you go to Chukos's site, Matthew published a really helpful cine zoom chart range thing. So I've and, – and this is only for those of you that are – having to jump around on rental gear and different lenses and stuff. Yes, because, yes, this is not, a lot of this is not, well, some of it's not owner. No, it's not owner operator glass. It's a good way of being able to see the ranges of zooms that are out there in yeah. one handy chart. Yeah, and Ari, um, Fuji, Ongino, Cook, Canon. Zeiss, and the Duclos modded stuff and how it all interacts yeah. from wide to tight. And Did what- you see the new Canon Cine 50s and stuff on the C500? Yes, Okay, so that's what I was shooting with. What do you think? I thought that was bloody good. The, the, we're talking about the compact stills, the stills glass. It's Well, it's Cine Yeah, the 51.T19, I think. It's 1.3. Uh, T13, yeah, yeah, which I'm guessing is a Cinevised version of the F1.250. The F yeah. I'm we, guessing we think. Ma- maybe, I don't know. would kind of make sense that you go from F to We've T. We've shot them side by side to have a look at them. Yeah, with the, with the we got L-glass the, 50. Yeah, we got the L-glass 50. Okay. Side by side, working the same. It's hard to believe it's the same. Oh, I've just shot them. I haven't looked at the results. Oh, yeah, okay, right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. I went to a um, just shot them. An excellent a Canon launch night the other night where we saw uh, good hands on with the C five hundred, C three hundred, C one hundred, and the one DC, which was good to have in the hand. Yes, what's that like? Finally, interesting. Were you lusting after it? Uh, I well, uh, what we also saw is projected in four K was um, uh, Shane Herbert's uh, another short um, called The Ticket, which was shot with an equal sort of simple combat style and and the shoot itself really lended itself to uh, a compact, uh, you know, DSLR style style camera up up in in the... um, um, the Ferris wheel at Coney at um, 
I, I don't know. I didn't see it. I wasn't at the launch. Yeah, no. It was a uh, Ferris wheel. That's enough. Yeah, yeah. Coney Island kind of kind of Ferris wheel. Okay. And you say you're in small, compact stuff, backs of cars, and uh, some very dynamic rigs running up, running down 4K. the street, people, and uh, low light and and and. Um, uh, available light and yeah it was terrific it was really good and it's you know it's sharp and it's a, a real leap from certainly from the n- shoots nothing sharp at all uh, 5d mark 3 um <laughs> seriously you can't make that fucking camera shoot sharp i don't know uh, maybe i'll turn if i can break the um the this this due uh, settings and and start winding up the inducing the sharpness uh I'll, I'll i'll see if i can get the thing sharp but i'll tell you it, it's not a, it's not an easy camera to get some nice crispy images out but this being 4k and it doesn't break the whatever we want to call it wingrove paradigm constant whatever of of a camera <laughs> needs to record its own shit that it's uh because i haven't really it was sort of a bit at arm's length at nab and you weren't really if you kind of went near it they were a bit sort of shun shunning you from from touching it too much uh the 1dc i'm talking about but uh it was a little bit hard to tell how it even records 4k but yes recording 4k to cf cards it's still a little bit gray they were still still we don't know what uh the data rate is uh but it looked really nice and, and and clean and it does record 4K internally. What I think is the weird thing is, though, and I can understand the fact that this is, you know, we take a camera we already own, like the 1DX, and just essentially <laughs> just change the firmware and um, turn it into another camera. But why, if it's going to, if this camera is going to be marketed as a cinema camera, why does it even have a mirror? Why does it even have an optical viewfinder? It would make more sense... If this is purely going to be a fifteen thousand dollar cinema compact cinema camera, mm-hmm. to give me an uh, electronic, give me an OLED viewfinder in the same spot as the 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 optical viewfinder, get rid of the mirror box, get rid of the mirror, all that stuff, and make it uh, a full electronic digital cinema camera. Give me an electronic viewfinder. Then you can put it right up. To, you can literally just run and gun with it. You don't need to have external monitors. You put it right up to your eye and shoot with it because at the moment it is a stills camera with the ability to, to, to um, you know, with a fuck-off engine in there to be able to put 4K down to a, to a CF card. So it won't overcrank, of course. I think it goes to, I think it goes to, mm, I think it might do 30 frames, but that's about it. You won't overcrank at 4K. Um, so you have to bump down. I'm not sure what you've got to bump down to to be able to get to, you know, to, to slower than 30. But uh, you know, it's for for uh, it was it was really quite nice in the hand, and as you say, with the with the new Cinema Primes on it, uh, it was very nice. They're very uh, I re- really liked the feel of them. I'm not a big fan of the compact, the uh, Zeiss Compact Primes, but these felt very nice. Um, it did look a little bit like they're over engineered, like they take a small lens, and well, we better make this look professional if we're going to charge seven or eight grand for it. So let's build a really big freaking metal housing so it looks like a big lens it completely cape could have been built just like the compact primes can be because they are essentially zeiss zes and zfs in a different housing 
these lenses could well be made smaller. Same with the red primes. Okay? Uh, yes, the red primes are definitely... All of them, these that. things, is like over-engineered. Let's make but them professional. That, We're going to charge does, 20, 30, yeah, 40, well, 80 for a kit. It's, it's very, it is a very solid lens, though. It, uh, it's, it feels... Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah it, I have previously I am worried kind of poo-pooed them for six, my, seven grand a pop. Yeah. Um, when you can buy a whole set of you know, red prime, PL red primes for 20 mm. grand. Um, it's a nice that, lens. That these lenses are going to cost seven or so. It's still a bit is TBA. It, is it really that seven that for the fifty? That's 50? my understanding. Six, seven is still. Again, there's no hard and fast prices. I don't think for these things yet. But when you, they are very. Uh, they are. They they look like that. They're built. You know, they're built f- to that money. Compact primes don't. You know, they're a lot cheaper and they feel it. Um, but yeah, no, it was a very nice combo. Put those put those lenses on 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 that on that camera. It's very very sharp and very nice and right. clean. It's a, but I'm just still okay, you know, a little uh, bit sort of under. Don't uh, quite. Four thousand nine hundred. Really? It's on B and H at four thousand nine hundred. You can buy it. It's on B and H. Is it pre-order or are they? It available? is uh, in stock. Shipping. In stock. The Cine EOS fifty T one three. May I quote you this? Canon CNE fifty mil T one point three L F Cine lens. Yep. In stock B and H EF mount designed for Cine use. Four thousand nine hundred and fifty bucks. Hmm. Thanks for playing. Okay. Right. Consider me smacked down and kicked into the gutter. Well, no, because it's still more expensive than the No, that's L50. better. Well, there was a bit of pushback on those prices, certainly for those those prices there. That's good. That's good. The only stupid thing... I'm such a negative person, aren't I? Well, you're a little bit, you know, like, just... But <laughs> no, that's well, why people love okay. you, Jace. Well, here's the set of lenses that they're making. And 85... What's wrong with this picture? 85, <laughs> 50... I think a 25. Uh, 24, is it? But anyway, yeah. yeah. No, no 35. Anything missing? The standard set of... If you order a yeah. set of standards well, from now, any other okay. company Can around the world, on this? it's going to be 25 yeah. or 24, yeah. 35 or 32, 50, 85. Okay, but Four I, lenses. The- you can go out and shoot yeah, a major feature film with those. Four. My theory is... Bit of a gap. Yeah. I think they're, they're revving the 35 L-series stills lens. Yeah. They are. And that's correct. You're and right. So they are. that's what they're doing. They're going to come out with yes. the 35 cine lens, and there's no point cinevising the previous version yeah. because they're yeah. going to do the new one, and it'll only be around for 10 seconds before. Well, it's just say coming soon, so people will then go, "Oh, good. Well, Jace, it's not a complete set at the soon. moment, but I'll buy these three, and then I can make it for later on." Okay. That would just be just 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 give us a little, give us a freaking bone there, you know? Don't you think? I, I totally agree with you. I I'm, think it would be good to know. If they are doing that, it would be good, good to, to know that because uh, that would be a very competent set of standards just, for sure. Can I ask you a question? This is not in the show notes, but do you know the Rokinon lenses at all? I have one. Is it any good? I I like it so far. I mean, it's 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 plastic, but not cheap-feeling plastic. Okay. It's fairly robust. It feels like it's l- plastic. Which one did you get? The... I've got the twenty four one four about four picoseconds before they announced 
the Cine version of the 24, the 24 or a T15 or whatever it is, I think. Yeah. Mainly because there is no fast 24 that can be, that have, with hard stops that you can cinevise. So the, obviously you've got the Canon L glass one, which is 24.14, but it's, you know, it's still a lens and, it, you know, you, you can't mark it up properly or put a gear on it properly. It, has, it doesn't have end stops. But uh, with the, 24... the Zeiss ZE is a T2 or something like that. So, so, yes. so you've got the 24.14? 24.14. Right. So which, it's like 600, 700 bucks, right? Yeah, which Matt uh, Juclos modded and put the gear and took the uh, clicks off the. So it's got a manual iris, focuses the correct direction, um, and has a gear now on, on an 80mm front. Uh, but now, yes, I think they are doing a cine version of that, which is great. Bring it on. I find it very nice, very sharp, it's very good. It's very light, and as I say, it's plastic, but it has that sort of not cheap plastic feel. It just feels like this is plastic because it makes it nice and light, and it still feels reasonably robust and doesn't feel like you're going to, you know, doesn't feel like it's going to break any, any minute. I haven't shot too much with it in, 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 in anger to really get a, a good uh, test of it but uh, I, mean, I would say just be aware it may have been a one off for me but uh, I sent one or two of the other versions the Bauer and the Samyang I think and uh, they weren't quite right there was a bit of focus slop it may have been I don't think they necessarily all come from the same factory so just be a little bit careful but as I say there's one there's one cine version of that So, and I don't think it's that much more expensive than the regular well, if you, if you were to get them through Duclos, who, let's face it, we like. Yes. and Because not only that, they do check that the lens is a good one as opposed yes. to a dodgy one. Yes. And that's a real trap you can fall into ordering online. Somebody gets a dodgy one, they send it back as a, it's, this is no good. It goes into the shelf and gets sent out to the next poor sucker. Yeah, absolutely. But they'll do the Rogan on 2414 for 699, which is about like 20 bucks more than B&H was charging. The Cine version is seven four nine, so right. that's yeah, that's about uh, fifty bucks more for the Cine version, and that's a Duclos effectively gold stamped. The six forty nine is Duclos six ninety nine. That's the modded six ninety nine from 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 Matt. From Matt, I'm looking at Matt's website right wow. now. Duclos lenses twenty four one four six nine nine. Wow, twenty four. That's the one f 1.4 yeah the 1.5 cine lens mm. so it's a different lens is 749 so call it 700 and 750 you pay 50 bucks more yeah for the cine version and it's f 1.5 but it's the cine version versus the mm-hmm. the other version is the cine version not the matte version does it have an 80 mil front or does it just I don't know. I wonder how if they how take how I the. That. I wonder what they do. Do they? The only I think the, the only minor difference is that I think that the off-the-shelf one has an iris gear, and Matt's doesn't. But that's you know, what you do get is as you say the benefit of having someone check the lens. Oh yeah. First, that uh, it's going to meet spec and there's no slop in the focus and it's correctly you know it's reasonably calibrated and yeah does the job. It's going out so the door. I would, I would love to borrow the twenty-four. Uh, before I bought one of these because I'd love to buy one of these. Mm. Yeah, look, there was nothing wrong with my Canon Hourglass 24. It was nice, but I just wanted to... Uh... Don't you think like Matt Duclos is like the kind of guy that gets a car and pimps it up to be like the improved shocks, the improved everything else? Not, I mean, talking about the fancy paint job, but yes. like you get a car that's production model and then you get the one that's the kind of 
And then the serious person... Well, you've seen Matt's car. Well, but I'm saying... I, I wasn't saying it for that reason. But, like, that's what it is about lenses, right? That's like, if you really love lenses in yeah. a quite sinful, decadent way you shouldn't... Yeah. Yes, I know they're only tools. Yes. But for those of you that know that they're more than tools... Yes. <laughs> you're amongst friends. Matt is, like... is just, like, the... He is, like, pimp my lens. Yep. And, 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 and you know... The lens pimp. I mean, seriously, like, it just... My 11 to 16. I love that fucking lens. Yeah. Anyway, um, yep, I, I digress. Hey, did they have a Canon 6D prototype there at your launch? No, no. Although that, that would have been has, nice. That has annoyingly come out, uh, yes, and sort of been a little bit... Well, it's come out since our last episode, so we haven't talked about it. Uh, I guess it kind of... A f- it's coming out at the end maybe, of the year, right? Maybe, yeah, it's coming out uh, in December for yep. two grand. Full-frame sensor. What is weird is that... This is not very far away from launch date of, of you know Mark III was came out what April. This has got for less money, although there's a couple of omissions that the 5D Mark III does have that this doesn't. But uh, they've included Wi-Fi and well, it's GPS sensor and it's Wi-Fi. Yeah, and GPS. So it's more than it's like it's like six and a half D. It's so close to a five D. It's not funny. Yeah, it's really annoying. It's got the overcrowd. Yeah, you know, it's got the seven twenty p fifty sixty thing. I think from memory. Yeah, but, uh, but it'll you, let you do you the longer runtime, the twenty minute, twenty nine minute runtime. But you can run it from your phone. The only things that you can, yeah, it's just quite impressive. This Wi Fi, I think it the Wi Fi app is is really good for you. But again, like the GoPro, you can change all the settings. Um, you know, if you've got uh, if you've got a uh, doesn't a live lens on, you can change iris, you know, shutter speed, all that sort of stuff. Doesn't it fire it, roll, stop it, get yeah. live preview, uh, live view live preview, preview on, yeah. on on the app. Uh, very, 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 very annoying. Uh, the only thing it, it lacks a little bit is the audio side of things. It has got a lot of the pluses that we wanted the five D Mark three four, which is like the overcranking and. Eventually, going to have to stop calling it over cranking because you know there isn't a crank. Can I tell you a funny story? I said to my daughters, "I'm going to shoot film today over breakfast," and they were like, "Awesome! What do you mean?" And I said, "I'm going to shoot on film," and they're like, "What, what does that mean?" And it's like, well, "I'm going to shoot a, for the film camera, mm. and they're going to process the film, and then you know we're shooting on film, film." Yeah. And they're like, "Like in the movies?" And I went, "Yeah, like in the movies." Now my kids are very intelligent, savvy, yep. wired, etc. But they were like, their kids have grown up never... I mean, in our house, we haven't shot film for a long time. Yeah. So they've never seen Dad load a film camera at home. And so they were like, right, how does it actually work? And mm. I said, well, we have a film camera and we run it. And they're like, like literally like in the movies. And my youngest says, so you have to like wind it with a handle. <laughs> It's going to start being like retro workshops, I think, you know, because what we're going to see with film, I think, is what we're seeing now with, you know, the sort of lomography kind of, that it's an obscure kind of hipster arts and crafts thing, um, that there's, it's uh, kind of retro cool to go shoot this stuff and to use the cameras and go through the technique and the photochemical stuff. It's a little bit easier, obviously, to do film, to do stills than it is to do motion picture. But um, I'd I'd love to be having an excuse to get my hands on, on you know, pull out a, a, 
a Panavision Gold or a, um, a 435 or Cam or even Arri 3 and stuff and, and start sort of showing how this stuff was laced and how we worked. And it feels sadly retro very quickly. But, uh, yeah, love the, you know, it's like like having having courses in um, tin types. Ah, oh dear. So, yeah, sorry, the 6D is emitting stuff like some of the audio controls, like a headphone out and that kind of silent control, touch, touch sort of um, volume control, um, audio level control uh, in shot, which, to be honest, I haven't really used that much. Most of the time I'll shoot double system and what you're after is the ability to have, you know, the time code and just the fact to have the longer running times and the over, you know the ability to over 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 crank but apart from that it's a it's a 5D mark 3 for you know half the bucks with uh, the ability to have live view on your and roll and cut it'd be quite good to have if you're a um someone doing a doco shooter who will, often they will set up a DSLR as a uh, another like a a profile shot uh, for an interview or a second you know a wider shot for an interview. So you're shooting the tighter shot, you know the main main camera, and then they'll set up a couple of DSLRs around as you know just B roll or or second third camera. The ability to still not even have to get out of your chair, but have your iPhone to double check the frame and the focus on your other alternate five D whatever six D. Um, DSLR shots and to be able to roll it check that it's rolling while you're shooting you don't have to sort of step out of away from your camera and quietly step across the room and just check that the other camera the other person hasn't moved in frame or hasn't you know hasn't run out of battery hasn't timed out hasn't I am, cut I'm seriously getting you know? getting warm fuzzies listening to you talk about that that would yeah. be so don't you reckon yeah. oh, gotcha. and to check the shot oh, just yeah. you know like you're updating bloody twitter feed you just be watching one and seeing the other. You can almost yeah. have the uh, almost have your iPhone mounted on the top of your main shooting camera, be it F three, whatever you're going to shoot. Yeah. Have your Epic shooting main camera, and then your little iPhone mounted on the top, and you're watching and rolling and cutting yeah. your B cam. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. That's pretty awesome, huh? I'm I'm there. And thanks, Canon, for putting all that functionality in the camera you just released for twice the money only a couple of months earlier. Not putting it in the camera. Although, we do love you, Canon. Thank you very much for um, okay. putting on an excellent event the other night. We, um, we, the uh, canapes were excellent. Okay, I didn't get to that event. Hey, um, you've put in the show notes something that I don't know what it is, so to explain to me. The Hollywood <laughs> camera work shot designer, okay. shot designer. What you really have to do is actually go to... Uh, this is an iPhone app, oh, okay. iPhone, iPad app. Uh, and a lot, I've, I've bought a few of this stuff over the time and never quite used it. But I think... If this is essentially a blocking tool, it's called the Shot Designer. It's very clever and it's very cleverly marketed and priced, which is free to begin with. If you want to just plot one shot at a time, but what it gives you the ability to that that thing where you might have to block a shot, either for your own uh, pre-production to, to think, can this actually be done? or to onset to show somebody how something's going to work. This person's going to go through this door, then they're going to walk down the corridor, and the camera's going to go in front of them, and then we're going to pick up B camera's going to get them from there. And to be able to plot a whole shot or plot a scene, Mm. this is a very clever, interactive, touch, drag, and drop way of being able to A, design a set, 
Uh, and then if you imagine, you can have little icons for your camera. And then you can say it starts here and it ends here. And you can animate that position in real time. Then you can put people in your shot. This is all just top-down view, right? Just looking from above, which is the only real way to explain this stuff. You can sh show where your track needs to be or where your Steadicam move is going to be. And physically work out, actually, hang on, can the camera get around that person in time? Or, you know, if, if, if they do start here, are we going to see... Are we going to see the other camera? Uh, get an idea of you know, basically just breaking down your shot, and it's very uh, clever to be able to animate this stuff in real time with little icons that are all just there on a palette to be able to drag and drop. It's a very clever, a very clever app, and I, although it's a little bit of a lost leader that it is free to begin with, the upgrade to the full version I think is only about twenty bucks, and that's just letting you, uh, giving you a bit, a bit more flexibility to map out more than one scene. But it'll, it'll, it'll let you. It comes with a whole bunch of template scenes that you can start with, so you don't start it with a blank canvas. Uh, very clever. Um, Hollywood Camera Workout dot uh, us, and you'll be able to. Um, go from there their apps their only one app that they make is shot designer and it's for something that's reasonably brand new it is it feels like it's uh it's been developed for a long time and it uh you also will work with you can take screenshots with your iphone and it will sort of you can you can tell it what format you're working on and it will overlay what it'll give you a director's viewfinder i guess uh point field of view of you're uh, you know, telling you what, what lens in reality you'll be able to use, then you'll be able to take screenshots with that and put them into uh, into into this, in, drop them into your sort of uh, top-down overview. So very clever. There's a lot to it. It's a very complex, um, not overly complex, but there's it's a very rich app, I guess you'd say. And there is some great videos, links in the show notes, some great videos on their website as to give an idea of how it works. But hey, you know, just to muck around for free before you, you, you spend the extra 20. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that pre-iOS devices was a Mac-only thing and would have been hundreds and hundreds of dollars and wouldn't have been this flexible. So very clever. Good on them for doing that. Can I do very a cool. Twitter cool. shout-out? Yeah, David Newman, uh, he's oh, yes. for, uh, GoPro's Senior Director of Software Engineering, uh, yes. formerly known as Cineform CTO. Um, he's, uh, he's great. He's, um, he's a really good guy because he, you, know, you can ask him questions and something will respond. Yeah. Uh, so it's David underscore N-E-W-M-A-N, uh, as you'd expect, at uh, David Newman. And um, yeah, he's a really nice guy, and I totally recommend if you want to get in on what's going on with GoPro, if you follow him. he's a nice guy. He's an Aussie. You'll understand what's going on. Um, and yeah, he's uh, been, since the launch, been really a fund of information. Yeah, and he's not at arm's length personally. Nope. If you meet him at any trade show, he's very friendly. And same on Twitter. You know, he is always, uh, you know, pops up often. He's not. He doesn't have the corporate face on. You know, he's a down-to-earth guy who'll call a spade a spade. Very worthy. And then let, it, let you attach a camera to it while you're digging. <laughs> he's a worthy... Those guys know how to do a press event. I was very jealous to see uh, Stu's. Uh, although, I'm a, you know, I'm a bit at loss as to why, and I know you will not understand this, Mike, though, but if you're given the choice of, do you want to go on a sailing boat? Do you want to dive with sharks? Or do you want to go up with the Patriot uh, 
fighter jet formation team uh, fly with L-39 albatrosses. Or go hot air ballooning. I'd, or hot air ballooning. Yeah. I'm not sure I would have chosen, you know, I know we're very different people, Mike. What would you have I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have gone with the sailing boat. <laughs> really? <laughs> you yeah. fucking nuts? Mm. Dude, go up in a in a um, a jet trainer. Okay, so for a start, it's loud, it's noisy, it's shaky, and it burns fossil fuels, and it's just <laughs> miserable. You're gonna be out on the water in the fresh air, hooning along at like Burning twice no the speed fossil of fuels. twice the speed of of uh, the wind on San Francisco Bay, which is just gorgeous, with the American America's Cup team. Yeah. The Oracle team, oh my God, are you nuts? The physicality of being on a yacht and being out there versus just sitting as a dumbass, don't touch any button guy in a... Oh, right, versus, or, the, well, of course, they'll let you operate the Australia America's Cup uh, you, you wait till you hear what uh, Stu is really sore after being out on the America's okay. Cup, what do you reckon? Uh, from, and also, here's the other thing, Look, right? I'm like sure hot air balloon, every single one of those experiences would have been mind-bendingly mind amazing. Up in the air. But, you know, right. given choice of... Ultra amazing experience A, B, or C. I would have gone with the uh, Jet A one. Is this because of the jet, or object. like what would your option B be? So with hmm? what would your option B be? They said, "I'm sorry, that one's full." Oh yeah, right. So now you've got hot air ballooning, hmm. getting eaten by a shark, hmm. or going with the world's greatest yacht racing team defending the America's Cup. On surprise, there was no Bay. cars. You know what? Surprise, there was nothing. You know, vehicle based. It was land, sea, and air. Yeah, the land. What was the land? Oh, the hot air ballooning, looking at it, I guess. There it is. There's the land. <laughs> Wave to it like from oh, 5,000 feet. Can I attach my GoPro here? Yeah, because <laughs> a lot's going to happen. thing coming? <laughs> Very quickly. I wonder if it'll be friends with me. Uh, sorry, what did you say? I was asking what your B option was. I, I guess it would be the boat. Yeah. Ship, yacht, thing, thingy. Boat, ship, yacht, thingy. <laughs> I, can't, I just can't believe we're such good friends. You just horrify me. I just can't believe you wouldn't want to go near, you know, almost, you know, freaking break sound barrier in... Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, let's let's dog ag- fight let's, somebody. Let's agree. Formation. Sitting freaking beside awesome. a Formula One track or sitting by a yacht race. I'm taking the yacht race yeah, no, every time and twice on Sunday. Which you just did. Yeah. With... Uh, you're on press boat, yeah? Shooting off press boats. On. Yeah, I had to get a new spine after that. I can tell you, you're gunning in a in a uh, high-speed uh, speedboat to catch up with the uh, America's yeah. Cup yachts, and yeah. it's like... Dun, 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 dun. Mm, yeah, thumping. But I've got to say, there was three of us out on that press yacht. Best time ever. I, I, I honestly have not had that much fun with my clothes on any time in the last decade. Awesome. How did you get that? It's, how did you get that ticket? That was pretty impressive. That's what we do. It's how we hang. That's how we ride. That's how we roll at PhD, my friend. It's how we hurl. Yep. We don't hurl. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Real men don't. As I was proud to tell every single person I met, my father was on one of the original America's Cup challenges from England that failed dismally. I, I, I met my wife at a yacht squadron. I was married at a yacht squadron. I, my parents were married at a yacht squadron. Like, I lived my whole life. I've been... What are you kidding me? Yeah. There is no greater thing. It intensifies life. It is one of the great pleasures in life to go out on the harbour. It is, it is glorious, magnificent. It is, I can agree, having been, particularly on Sydney Harbour, on, it's just one of the greatest on your boat going. is very, very... And, and you're welcome to come back no any time you like. 
and you can even drive to the boat. Apart from 32,000 feet at Mac, oh, Mac something rather. Just spare me. Congratulations, by the way, to Felix, to Felix and everyone from Team Stratos for pulling off the uh, cool. most awesomest thing um, Somebody tweeted done this yeah. week. Yeah, it was very cool. Hey, we got to go. Okay. Nice talking to you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us on the show. Jason, on uh, the off chance that there is somebody here as part of Team Wingrove that doesn't actually know your Twitter address, do you want to give it? It's Wingrove. W-I-N-G-R-O-V-E. I also want to point out that uh, over at fxguide.com, I'm going to post a summary of the GoPro stuff. I want to thank Stu again for giving us um, footage from that sort of stuff and uh, and uh, doing stuff that was much appreciated, sir. Thank you very much, true gentleman. Excellent. Um, and, of course, the stuff we've been talking about at FXPHD is available at fxphd.com. We just started the new term with blowing up stuff as well as a bunch of other stuff. Until next time, so good to see you again, Jace. See you, mate. Thanks for listening. Send your questions or comments to rc at fxguide.com. Copyright 2011, FX Guide, LLC.